This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'd like to welcome everyone to the worship of the Lord Christ this morning. Welcome back for, to those of you who have been away for the summer, but a special welcome to those who are visiting with us today and those baptismal families that are here. We're so glad that you all could join us. And if you are a visitor, you are our honored guest in the house of the Lord. If everyone could take a moment to sign the friendship register, and if you're visiting with us today to give us some additional information, such as your email address and telephone number. We'd like to welcome especially Daniel Jackie today, the Wilson Family Sacred Music Intern. Daniel, if you could stand, and let's everybody give him a warm welcome. Thank you. He will be with us throughout the year, supporting us in our wonderful music ministry. Next week is homecoming, and for the children's time, we're going to be blessing backpacks and stuffed animals. So bring your child's backpack and a stuffed animal, and we'll have a special time of blessing to help them be ready and prepared for school. We'll have a congregational meeting immediately following the worship service today, so members, if you could remain seating during the postlude, visitors will be welcome to exit through these do doors or those doors and make your way to some fellowship time. And we now have a moment for mission from Lydia Spinelli for the African Dream Academy. Good morning. It's wonderful to be back here. Although I'm an elder at First Presbyterian Church in Caldwell, New Jersey, I consider this my second home. I've spent more time in these buildings than anywhere else in my life. I think most of you know that 12 years ago, Michael Linville asked me to help Sam Enders to start a school in Liberia, West Africa. The story of um, those 12 years is on the ADA website, africandreamacademy.org. From 144 children in 2012, ADA now has 1,800 students in three buildings on two campuses. Those students live without electricity or running water, and their parents have trouble getting them school supplies, and of course a Christmas present is out of the question. You can brighten their lives by taking a red bag either at the back or the front of the church. It has a child's name, gender, age, and grade. And there is a paper that gives you suggestions for what to put in it. But it's basically school supplies, toiletries, and a special little treat. Um, there are a range of ages. The high school students are in the back of the church. The elementary students are in the front. If you have children, it's nice to take bags of children, your children's ages, and take them shopping. But if not, we have a lot more trouble filling the high school students' bags, so I encourage you to take them. And rather than overstuffing a bag, please take two. Uh, since there are 1,800 students, we're not sending 1,800 bags, even though we have a number of schools and churches participating. So the teachers will take stuff out of the overstuffed bags and make new bags for the students who don't have anything. 
um, will pack the bags into barrels and ship them. They're due back October 15th and we'll be packing barrels the 16th to the 20th if anyone would like to help. And the cost of shipping has gone up. So we ask if you can to contribute $20 towards shipping, but please don't put a check in the bag. Uh, we'll have a separate box for checks or you can um, contribute on the website. Thank you so much. Let's give these children in one of the poorest countries in the world a dream Christmas. Thank you. For who is God except the Lord? The God who girded me with strength and made my way safe. For this I will extol you, O Lord. Let us worship God.
Please be seated. Please join your hearts with mine in a word of prayer. Creator God, who set the stars in their places and directs the courses of the planets, who made this earth, making it a haven of beauty and life, who breathed into each of us the breath of life, we thank you for everything that you have created and for everything that you create in us. And we ask that you create in us such a sense of wonder and delight in all these things and in all your gifts, that we might receive them with gratitude, care for them with love, and generously share them with all your creatures to the honor and glory of your holy name. And now in the words our Lord taught us to pray, we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we cannot come before God unless we are first honest with ourselves about who we are, about the mistakes we make, and about how well or poorly we care for others. In this spirit, let us offer our prayers to God, saying the printed words in the bulletin. Lord, you have loved us immeasurably through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has blessed us with salvation, but we have sought other paths to find meaning and hope. We have allowed our fears to erode our trust in you and the path to life that you have given us. Give us strength to live as people of your way, filled with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Spirit of God works within us and around us and through us. God gives us water when we are thirsty and rest when we are weary. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. As God is at work in us, we offer God's peace and grace to one another 
So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace we are called as members of one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us greet one another in the name of Christ. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. By the water and Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. On behalf of the session of the Brick Presbyterian Church, I present these parents who are bringing their children for baptism. James Downing Elliott, and Allison Ayers Elliott, Jasper Ergens Larson, and Samantha Jane Larson, Marshall Whitehouse Nevins, and Wynne Dillon Nevins.
First, I put these questions to you as parents of these children. Do you desire that your children be baptized? Do you? I couldn't hear anybody. Do you desire that your children be baptized? Do you? Perfect. Relying on the grace of God, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to nurture your children in that faith? Do you? Do you renounce all evil and powers in the world which defy God's love and righteousness? Do you? Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you? Beautiful. And to the sponsors or godparents, I now put this question to you. Do you promise as the godparents of these children through prayer and example to support and encourage them in the Christian faith? Do you? Do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture these children by word and deed, by love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ, and by our fellowship, strengthen their family ties to the household of God? Do we? We do. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling for order and life. You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your spirit. By his death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and open the way to life eternal. We thank you, O God, for the water of baptism, for in it we are buried with Christ in his death. From it we are raised to share in his resurrection. Pour out your spirit upon us and upon this water, that this font may be the womb of new birth. May these children be delivered from death to life, from bondage to freedom, from sin to righteousness. Bind them to the household of faith, guard them from all evil, and strengthen them to serve you with joy. Amen. Eloise is first. Hi, Eloise. How are you? Name your child. Eloise Ayers Elliot. The name Eloise means healthy, or in some traditions, mighty warrior. And we pray that you, little one, remain a healthy, strong, mighty warrior in this world and bring peace to everyone. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Name your child. Willow Jane Larson. Willow Jane is in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Oh. Willow Jane. Jane means Yahweh is merciful. And I pray that you not only know God's mercy, 
but that you share it with everyone. Willow Jane, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And name your child. Patricia Berena Nevins. Patricia Berena. Patricia. Look, look at the water. See that? Patricia means noble. And I pray that you have the nobility of our Lord in your heart, the nobility of servanthood to all who need God's love. Patricia. Berenna, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's make sure we've got the children all front and center here. We've got another one there. Now we'll hear your first children's sermon, that at your baptism, for you, Jesus was born and laid in a manger, God shows us. And God shows us that for you, Jesus lived and showed God's love, that for you, he suffered the depths of Calvary and said, it is finished. That for you, he triumphed over the grave and rose to newness of life. For you, he sits at the right hand of God and watches over the world. 
And he did all of this for you before you knew anything. O oh Lord, uphold these children by your spirit. Give them a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and of might, a spirit of joy in your presence, both now and forever. Children of the covenant, you have been marked as God's own and claimed in the waters of baptism. Go forth glorifying God in all that you do. Amen. This morning, we begin a series exploring the theme of all scripture, God's salvation history. We will end with the incarnation of God, the climax of God's plan to restore humanity. But before we get there, we will listen to stories of Exodus, that is, Israel fleeing to the Promised Land. We will examine the fall of humanity, that ancient saga of how we humans rebel against the rule of God, and today, we enter into paradise, that blissful Eden where God placed us in perfect peace and harmony. Our reading is from Genesis, selected verses which capture the profound nature with which God fashioned us and the supreme gift we receive of one another. Let us pray. God of history and power, May these ancient words offer fresh hope for our lives today and our hope for tomorrow. Amen. Selected readings from Genesis. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air 
and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After 2,000 years and more, one might reasonably assume that we have extracted everything there is to discover from Scripture. But it is a book about God, and therefore there is always more to learn. So over the next few weeks, we will try to take these disparate books and discover the central theme of Scripture, God's salvation history of love. And it is complex, so most of it is written as story. Story is humankind's way of taking seemingly disconnected events and tying them together in which we discover meaning and purpose. I used to be concerned with finding meaning in scripture by determining which parts I think actually happened as scripture conveyed and which did not. But a conversation with a medical doctor turned preacher convinced me of another approach. I no longer try to turn it into a completely explained rational phenomenon, he told me. I wanted everything explained as a doctor. But the further along I went, the mystery came back in. Science does not explain everything. And the further down the path of faith, the less important explaining it all seemed to be. Story and art have the same capability to be more than the sum of their parts. Art is more than light and color and shadow. It's a lightning rod that can zap your soul if you're not careful. I remember the first time I looked at Van Gogh's Starry Night. I didn't feel like I was gazing at a painting. I felt transported into this mystical scene of fantastic stars, a mysterious, powerful, and numinous event. I feel that same lightning rod. I feel that same mystery. I feel that same wonder when I hear these opening words of Genesis these opening chapters. And for me, whether or not Adam and Eve are real people is beside the point. Either way, 
I am most powerfully and passionately, perhaps more than anything, convinced of the eternal truth found in these passages. And in fact, all the story of God's love found in Scripture. And it's an incredible story. It's the greatest story ever told. There are heroes and villains, fantastic miracles, epic battles of good versus evil, human frailty, and historic courage, poetry and poignancy, romance and treachery, God born, God murdered, God resurrected, humankind saved. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Our story today begins right at the beginning. No, not like those action movies or dramas you see. This is the very beginning of everything. And we find ourselves in paradise, the Garden of Eden, a place of perfect harmony, connection with God, with one another, and with the world. It is a shalom, a unity of all things. And we find that God fashioned it out of overflowing love. I felt this sense of harmony, of unity and connectedness while standing on one of the Grand Tetons in Wyoming and looking out at the Snake River, mesmerizing, majestic, perfect. But it's not just a story on a grand scale. We find in these stories moments of profound human intimacy. Adam is seeking a partner. So it seems that even paradise isn't perfect until you find the one you love. And when Eve comes, you can feel Adam's relief. You can hear his soul healing when he says, at last. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Now, paradise truly is perfect. There are no clothes because there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no fear. It can scarcely be imagined in the world in which we find ourselves today. But that perfect harmony and peace is what God meant us for. And we will find that that's where we're headed. The whole rest of the Bible is about trying to get us back to that original place. But in truth, to get us to an even better destiny. Something even better than paradise itself. Now, there's an interesting history behind when Genesis was written. It was written during a time across a few centuries when Israel was emerging into Canaan, and later, more of it written when they were exiled into Babylon. 
And these chapters were written to counteract the false narrative that the cultures of their place and time were telling. These false narratives came in the form of the Epic of Atrahasis and the Epic of Enuma Elish. And those stories that the Canaanites were telling were stories of wicked gods that had entered into cosmic battles. And one of the gods which was slain, her carcass was used to fashion the world. And furthermore, humanity in these epics were created to be slaves of the gods out of the blood droppings of an evil god. In contrast, what does the story of Genesis teach us? It teaches us that creation came out of love from God that far from this world being evil by nature, it is very, very good. And we weren't made to be slaves. No, we, every single one of us, were created with the image of God and made to share that love and to celebrate with joy this God who created us. But it's not only authors that weave stories. But each one of us, we all have a story. And the ones we tell ourselves from our past shape who we are today. My story, as many of you know, begins in Brazil in the deep jungles. And it is more than a fact for me. It shapes who I am. It connects me to the people of that country, and especially to the poor and the oppressed, because that is why my parents went to Brazil. And though I don't speak Portuguese, when I hear it, I feel like Adam, that I am in that soul place, a sense of delight and joy tingles up and down my spine. Just like when I was young with my brothers and my parents and we were all around the dinner table when everything was perfect. But like paradise, it didn't last very long and my family fractured. But that's a story for another time. You have a story. You have a beginning. You have a place like Adam in which you think, at last, at last, at last. Brick Church, too, has a beginning. And thanks to Dean Turner, to Margaret Stocker, and others, we know that story. The stories of past pastors and we continue to tell stories of grand elders like Ellsworth Stanton. These stories capture something of the core of this place. And the stories that we choose to tell today from the past shape who we will be tomorrow. Listen to the beginning of Brick Church as reported 
in the New York Mercury in 1768. On Friday last, being the first day of this year, the Presbyterians of this city, in communion with the established Church of Scotland, opened their brick church. The Reverend Mr. Rogers conducted the worship and preached from these words of the prophet Haggai. I will fill this house with my glory, saith the Lord. There was a very crowded audience, and by the solemnity of the occasion and the address of the preacher, the whole assembly seemed impressed with a mixture of seriousness, gratitude, and joy, highly becoming of the dedication of the house of Almighty God. That was over 250 years ago. This place, this congregation, was founded with a purpose to praise our maker, as the prophet Haggai tells us. In fact, not only this place, not only this church, but all of creation has this sole purpose. As the Westminster Catechism tells us, what is the chief end of humankind? but to glorify God and enjoy God forever. And Brick has pursuing this joy for all of these years. And it is an historic story, not only for our congregation, not only for the city, but also for the nation. During the Revolutionary War, the British occupied Brick Church, and frankly, they made a bit of a mess of it. But after the war, our first pastor, John Rogers, in a remarkable act of Christian charity, welcomed the Loyalists back to the congregation seeking to restore unity not only within the church but within this country. And because of his efforts, there is a copy of a letter that hangs in my study written by George Washington, thanking him for help seeking to heal our country. The day school, too, has its beginnings some 80 years ago. And for decades and generations, it has not only opened its doors and fashioned good Presbyterians, but also fashioned leaders within this city and within this world, giving people a home to turn back to for the rest of their life. There is a story of etiquette classes in the early 19, in the mid-1900s, a concept that sounds archaic to us, Yet a woman from East Harlem about a year ago told me th uh, she had much thanksgiving for these classes that she had some 50 years ago. Now, there is a favorite hymn of mine that we pastors have recited many times to you by one of our most renowned pastors, Henry Van Dyke. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And I want you to pay special attention to one of the verses that I'm going to read to you, because it not only gives our charge 
as God's created children to praise. But it also tells us where our hope lies when we find ourselves in difficulty, in times of testing, where our hope takes us. Mortals, join the happy chorus, which the morning stars began. God's love is reigning o'er us, joining people hand in hand, ever singing, March we onward, victors in the midst of strife. For joyful music leads us sunward in the triumph song of life. This is the good news of the gospel, that when we find ourselves in strife, we know that we will be victorious not because of what any of us do, but because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Next week, we will look at the story of the fall. But despite the tragedies this creates, we will discover that God's goodness is more than a match for the frailty of the human heart. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Faithful God, we look back on the summer behind us and appreciate your presence with us through it. We look ahead at the program year before us with hope and anticipate your continuing love and the fulfillment of your promises. In this new year, grant that we may become more faithful, more committed to your kingdom work, more knowledgeable of your ways, more familiar with your spirit, more pliant to your instruction, and more willing to give of ourselves to others. Lord, on this day before September 11th, we pray for all veterans from all wars. May you strengthen us to help and serve them. For peace in all places of the world that experience violence, we pray for our world leaders. May they unite to create a world where life is protected, not destroyed, and a place where peace flourishes even when different groups of people disagree. We pray to you, Lord, for those who were not yet born on September 11th. May they never experience in their lifetime such a profound act of evil. Lord, we pray for the grace to be forgiving and to show mercy. Lord, for this new year ahead, may we hear your voice more clearly and heed it. May we be aware of the limits of our understanding and work to expand them. May the words of Christ dwell in us richly. May we be vigilant for those around us who are in need and tend to them. May we experience anew the rebirth and resurrection life of Jesus. 
May we complete the tasks that you set before us. Love well those souls you give to our care and make good use of the time we are given on the earth. Lord, we are grateful for your love, your kindness, and your care. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today, to introduce the offering, I'd like for everybody to look in their bulletins on the left side, and I will read it out loud to us. The Christian life is marked by the offering of oneself to God. In worship, God presents us with the costly self-offering of Jesus Christ, who has claimed us and set us free. During the offering, in response to God's love in Christ, whether you have given online or in the plate, we are to reflect on our calling to respond generously with our gifts, our abilities, and our material goods for God's service. Please be seated.
please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have created in this world. We thank you for creating each and every one of us, for giving us the very breath that we breathe. We thank you for all the gifts and blessings in our lives, the things that we think are ours. And we ask that you help us to find ways to give them back to you. Lord, our money, our time, our talents, our hearts. Help us to be more kind, caring, and loving to each other and to this earth. In your wonderful Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. seated. Just as a reminder to the members of the congregation, please remain. We will convene the congregational meeting immediately following the postlude, and visitors are welcome to excuse themselves and find their way to the coffee hour. You're welcome to join for that time of fellowship. And the charge for us this morning is to remember, go forth in your life and with everything that you are and in all that you do, make it an act of praise to God and joyous thanksgiving 
for the gift of life, helping to lead others into that joy through sharing all that you have. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious unto you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace from this moment on and forevermore. Amen.